electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. We're trying to recover some of Tuesday's losses as this choppy week continues. A vaccine supply, obviously a major focus, and the reopening as Texas lifts those restrictions. ADP was a miss, and that raises some eyebrows ahead of Jobs Friday. Our roadmap begins with the vaccine boom. The president saying there will be enough supply for all American adults by the end of May. Plus a new target for Reddit fuel volatility. Shares of Rocket, well, they're sinking ahead of the open after that massive 70% gain yesterday. And big business betting on ESG. ExxonMobil seeks to answer its climate critics. And FedEx committing to carbon neutral operations, Carl, by 2040. Over to you. Yeah, a lot of ESG headlines this morning, though. Uh, Jim, uh, last 24 hours has seen a remarkable flurry of headlines regarding the reopening. The president we mentioned, Gorski with you on Mad Money last night, talking about that partnership with Merck and some truly astounding forecasts for just how many doses they can make. Yep, if you pull through 100 million from June, which was the original J&J figure, uh, to May, and you know that Moderna is going around the clock, and you've got Pfizer, I have Emergent Bio, Tonight, they're working around the clock. And what you get, I think, is everyone who wants one does get one. Uh, obviously, the administration is going to be a little bit different this time because, as uh, Alex Gorski told me, it's going to be Department of Defense. There's going to be a lot. It's a national effort. It's a wartime effort, as he put it. And when you do that, you eliminate this kind of state-by-state stuff that I think has really plagued us uh, and made it so that it's a national imperative, which I think a lot of us felt should have happened a long time ago. David, you know that the tone of Alex Gorski is, look, enough is enough. We're going to solve this. No more bickering. No more state county. We're going to flood the zone with vaccines. And, David, that's very good news for the economy. It would seem to be. Uh, You know, I wonder uh, what is it going to mean for uh, the airlines and the cruises? We've talked about them every day when we have this conversation. I mention it right now, Jim, in part because I notice United Airlines is selling 37 million shares at the market, uh, kind of following the playbook that you've outlined to a certain extent. It's amazing the share issuance that's taken place. But I guess they feel like they're selling into a positive uh, sort of a positive momentum in terms of at least their business and the perception of it, given what you're talking about with vaccine distribution. Totally. I mean, you've got this at-the-market offering. Now, remember, David, Royal Caribbean really, I think, caught people by surprise when they did the big $91 offering. This is a different kind of market. What's happened is is that anyone who bought on that deal is making a lot of money. Uh, Carl, the, the new buyers who've come to the market, I know we're going to be talking about them when it comes to a mortgage company, they genuinely say, yep. you know what, let's open America and buy these stocks, even if they've issued a lot of stock. They just don't care about that. That's quite different from a previous generation that would say, too much dilution, I don't want to touch it. Yep. Uh, Jim, I want to 
play uh, for our viewers a bit of sound uh, that uh, Gorski gave you last night on Mad Money, just talking about the historic partnership with Merck and the ability now to make uh, doses that would have taken years to make under a prior uh, framework. Take a listen. The real war here is against COVID-19. Right. And I couldn't think of a better partner than Merck, a company with a, an incredibly strong reputation, not only in the biopharmaceutical industry, but also specifically in vaccines, their culture, the leadership of the company, starting with Ken Frazier and now Rob and, and all the way through their team. We think it's a great partnership. And so we've been working with them, collaborating. And now that we have this opportunity, again, we think it's going to add considerably to our capabilities, uh, both near and in the long term. Jim, it's an important uh, soundbite if you look at it from a global perspective, because as J.P. Morgan points out this morning, uh, the third wave of cases in areas, especially in Eastern Europe, is quite real right now. Well, uh, just one thing that's really important is Alex Gorski knows that this is an international plague. Uh, The amount that they're producing is far in excess of what could be used in the United States and that there's really uh, very little possibility that can really open the world until everyone's taken care of. I think it's important to point out a lot of people saying, should I be buying Johnson Johnson on this? Well, I think Alex Gorsky was saying, yes, if you think that it's great that we're going to be giving something away because it is for charity. Now, you have to understand they're not trying to make any money off it. J&J and Merck are rivals. Uh, Now, are they rivals to the point where it's odd that they're cooperating? Yes. This is not the American way, except for when it comes to some sort of uh, actual wartime footing where we would not have different companies doing different things. David, the tenor of this combination versus the previous administration is quite different. And I think it's important to point out that, uh, like when I was on The Apprentice as a judge, divide and not conquer, okay, versus get together and conquer. Yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, these, of course, are rivals. But as you say, and as as Gorski so well put it, there's a great deal of respect between the two of them, given their storied histories. You know, listen, it's funny sitting in the spot I am. I talked a lot through the summer uh, about antivirals, Jim. Remember that? And Merck, of course, is still focused on that. They did not develop a vaccine. Molnupiravir, however, is their antiviral that's in phase three right now. Uh, And that has a different mechanism. And so that perhaps would be more effective against any variant that comes your way if you were to be unlucky enough, even after most of the world's vaccinated or much of the country to get the virus. So that's still going to be important. And that's still something in the future for Merck. But right now it's going to be the the uh, production of J&J's vaccine, certainly, uh, as opposed to obviously the production of their own, which. Some would have thought at the outset, given Merck's history, would have certainly been a focus for them. Yeah, I I thought that they were going to be game one because they've been unbelievable vaccines. But remember also, just in terms of the positives here, J&J has found that uh, they think that the uh, death rate may be over, may be done. If you take this, going to the hospital uh, will be rare. And these are things that, yes, uh, we want therapeutics so that we really make it so that you go to the drugstore and you take something and and it goes away. But this has become uh, in this world, David, it sounds more flu like flu like meaning you get sick, but it's not the end. And we've had so many deaths in this country was it five hundred and thirty eight thousand yesterday, something like that. And that number is going to drop dramatically. Does that mean we should reopen states? Alex Gorsky says absolutely not that that is just the, the height of foolishness, frankly, because we're so not there. Carl, though, we have states that uh, they're itching to open. And uh, I have a piece this morning in Real Money, which just says my doctor told me, don't be the last soldier to be killed in a war. 
This war is about to end because of people like the military uh, West Point graduate Alex Gorski. So why not listen to Alex and just say, you know, it's about to end. Uh, Let's play it out. Let's be good citizens and good soldiers. But there's a, a previous administration pretty much said that there's 50 different ways to do this. And we're still stuck with the 50 different ways. Not national. Yeah. Well, um, Jim, uh, although uh, Governor Abbott did lift the mask mandate, uh, there's some news this morning that companies like GM and Target and Macy's are still going to keep their own, either for employees or customers, mandates in place. So it's going to be an interesting collision in Texas, at least, between statewide government and uh, either municipalities or, or corporates. Um, Jim, let's turn to Rocket. I know you talked about it with, uh, with Joe a few moments ago, but... Um, Doubling in three days. Where do we stand right now? A name we've talked about, especially a lot yesterday. Well, this was a quandary to me. Uh, unlike GameStop, which had a, a new person came in and we're still waiting. It's a bit of a black box. Uh, uh, Ryan Cohen with a fabulous reputation for what he did with Chewy, which is one of my favorite companies. So there's clearly a catalyst. This was one where the catalyst was a fabulous quarter. Uh, a special dividend, uh, an amazing set of, by the way, uh, of loans that are probably the least failures. You know, they just don't have a lot of bad loans at Rocket because they have great uh, controls. And, and what happens is it kind of sat there. And it was kind of just, just kind of like, wow. I said, mm, I thought that was pretty good. And then it got the bug, uh, and then it went up a little bit. And then the next thing you know, we talked about it yesterday, and we uh, mentioned that it, there was a large short position. Others are obviously talking about not taking any credit for this. There are whole sites that are deeply devoted to this. Uh, and I will mention, David, Wall Street bets. I don't want to single anybody out, but uh, there is a group of people, David, who do see big short positions and know that those uh, the shorts are vulnerable. But this time, David, we don't have a face on the shorts, do we? No, no, there is no one name that I'm aware of, certainly. And as we've said many times since GameStop, there are no hedge funds that are interested in taking very large or outsized positions at all in single name shorts uh, and certainly not going to advertise. Uh, But just in general, that that has become sort of uh, um, a strategy not to pursue at, at this point, Jim, to your point. So there's no name on that side. There's no um, evil hedge fund that 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 people can point to. I. It's funny because we spent a lot of time on Rocket. It was uh, one of the largest IPOs we've seen in a very long time. It came before Airbnb and before DoorDash. And it really, even though we both talked about the quality of the management of the company and obviously Dan Gilbert and everything they've done there, whether it's with Quicken or with Rocket, um, it didn't really get a response in the marketplace no. that much, did it at first? No. A, a couple years ago, I made a statement on air about how I'd like to know how rocket loans really do well, because you know, we've got these banks that are unbelievable at it. Uh, and Jay Farner, who is the CEO, immediately set up a conference call with me and gave me the data, the raw data of how they do. They are the best lender in the country. They're the largest and the best. They have tremendous systems, great controls. And it sat there. And one of the things I mean, I got called about it on the lightning round a couple of times. I said, look, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, they're giving her all she's got. But it does, I, I think people feel when rates go higher, remember rates going higher today, uh, you don't own the stock. And, and, and that's what must, people must be saying. And then Jay came on and said, look, it, we have demonstrated tremendous controls and done a lot of volume, whether rates go up or rates go down. So, Carl, I think the stock can go down today. Obviously, it, it was uh, some surge and some people desperate to cover. But we also have to deal with the fact that interest rates just won't cut a break 
for this market. With the Dow is up about 200 points at 430, and now it's looking like uh, we're going to have a tough day because uh, rates moved up on literally we're all trying to figure it out, Carl, because the ADP number wasn't that strong. Yeah, although, Jim, um, there's a lot of um, consternation about ADP either being perpetually out of sync with other data. Uh, Take, for example, open table seated diners. I mean, if you saw that number and then looked at ADP, you would think they were looking at two different economies. So a lot of people out uh, this morning, I know Capital Economics says we're going to stick with our view for Friday of half a million jobs. I mean, Friday is going to be really, really interesting. Wow. You get a half million jobs, then I think that you have the Democrats who have been voicing uh, some criticism of a gigantic aid package. Uh, I, I think that their numbers could grow. David, one of the things that you and I have both seen is that the amount of money that's coming into SPACs, the amount of money that's being created is incredible. And you add the amount of money that's being created to the amount of money that may be sent to Americans. And you can understand why the bond market vigilantes haven't used that term in a long time, David, are basically saying, oh, come on. I mean, you can't just keep printing money. And I think that's going to be quite a reaction if we do uh, a continual reaction if we do get a really big job growth number. Yeah, but it, it, it still seems more likely than not that we're going to get the one point nine trillion dollar uh, relief plan out of Congress, doesn't it? I mean, it's going to be done via reconciliation. It's no longer going to include a minimum wage adjustment. Uh, you, you still have to say, Jim, that's more likely, although I understand your point, and, and I'm sure that we are going to continue to be focused for months and months and months now on the prospect of inflation and just how much growth this economy really can withstand or actually handle, to your point earlier, uh, given her all she's got, right? Well, um, does, does Jay Powell we'll wait until the last arm? Is that, does Jay Powell, the Fed chief, does he say, David, you know what? June, I got to make a move because everyone's going to be vaccinated. Or does he just say, you know what, let's see the jobs be created first? Don't know. I think you know the answer, at yeah. least to the extent he's given it. He said, I'm going to wait. Yep. Right, Carl? That's, uh, that's what he said, although we're going to find out more. Uh, later this week, guys. Uh, We'll get Beige Book today, by the way, also 2 o'clock. We'll take a break here. Lots to get to, including upgrade of Roku, uh, new top pick over at uh, City of Microsoft, Katie Huberty on Apple's March quarter, that and a lot more when Squawk on the Street comes back. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX. Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, The ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM. 
a leading global asset manager. FedEx announcing its goal is to achieve carbon neutral operations globally by 2040. The company says it's designating $2 billion of initial investment in three key areas, vehicle electrification, sustainable energy, and carbon sequestration. Of course, guys, uh, I've said this many times, if not for the pandemic, we probably would have spent even more time this year talking about the incredible focus of so many corporations on sustainability, on meeting the various metrics that are being developed in terms of ESG, given the number of assets, the, the amount of assets that are now directed based on a strategy that at least involves part of that. Of course, BlackRock and Larry Fink in some ways leading the way. So you've got the FedEx announcement this morning, uh, Jim, you know, talking about uh, their entire FedEx parcel pickup and delivery fleet being zero emission electric vehicles by 2040. And then let's also talk ExxonMobil, which is having an investor meeting this morning. We talked about the changes on the board on Monday, uh, but a lot of the focus in their presentation that I've been looking through is as well on carbon sequestration on, or carbon capture and, and storage and on you know, the needs that they have in terms of um, developing R&D to make this something uh, that is going to become cost-effective, uh, which obviously is one of the keys. Uh, and there you see one of the many slides that they have, uh, Jim, in this area. They're not there yet, no. um, but they're talking about, you see it there, a $2 trillion addressable market. You know, they're not going to play in windmills and solar farms. They're going to play here, is where Exxon is saying, because they believe they have the actual ability and the science and the R&D chops to actually get something done here. Well, good. I mean, I have Lindy on a lot. Lindy, the big industrial gas company. And there's tremendous demand for carbon dioxide. Uh, It's one thing that I always thought that Exxon should have figured out. I mean, why not take advantage of the fact that you're just spewing carbon dioxide and put it to work? I actually joke with them. You can use it for dry ice. You know, carbon dioxide is something you could even use for Coca-Cola. They felt that that was uh, facetious. I actually think it's not. It's carbon dioxide. It's carbon dioxide. It's a chemical. Uh, David, FedEx is involved with almost every single one of these little companies that I bring on that are SPACs, that have uh, different ways to be able to make vans. FedEx has been the one of the most important companies. David, how much of FedEx's move, though, is about Amazon saying to its suppliers, you better start being carbon neutral? Without a doubt. It's it's definitely industry-wide, and it's one company pushing another, and it is the belief and or the fear amongst some of these CEOs that if they don't get out in front of this, they're going to have trouble, not just with their shareholder base or with attracting or expanding their shareholder base, but with their employees. I mean, you hear it time and again. You know, I've been doing this series, uh, Evolve series on the web, interviewing a lot of well-known CEOs, talking about some of these issues. In fact, I recently spoke to Mike Wirth, somebody you know well, Mm -hmm. uh, who runs Chevron, the competitor to Exxon. And we also talked about carbon capture and when we can actually get to a point where it may become Uh, at least more cost-effective. Take a listen to what he had to say, guys. The industry has captured CO2 for many years and used it in enhanced oil recovery. Uh, But the uh, at-scale capture of carbon and then the permanent storage of it uh, in the earth is relatively newer, but we've got a project that we operate in Australia that uh, has a capacity to over 4 million tons uh, of carbon capture and storage. So these things exist today. They're operating today. Uh, but the economics are, are, are challenging. They're challenging, the economics, uh, Jim. But that may not be the case as more money moves in. Well, we've seen this time and again. Uh, 
I have seen this green hydrogen, it is still not, uh, it's still too expensive, come down dramatically in price. That's one of the reasons why Plug Power's had such a historic run. But David, I've got to tell you, when I listen to Mike Worth, Mike is really, really conscious that there could be a sea change happening. One of the reasons why I like Chevron is they see it coming. Uh, what's interesting, though, is that Volvo sees it coming in 2030, FedEx 2040, GM in between, Ford a little bit earlier, the F-150. But, David, it is happening far sooner than some of these oil people seem to understand. And they have to catch up with the times. Yeah, we'll take a look at slide 18 in Exxon's presentation, though, Jim. Position to succeed in hydrogen, leveraging position as a global leader in what they say is a roughly one trillion addressable market by 2040. Uh, hydrogen, so green they're also going to play in hydrogen. What, they yeah, put that apparently. slide in because of I mean, me? It, when I talk, I mean, I don't know. It's, slide kind of reads like every uh, presentation I see from these SPACs, you know. It's a SPAC. We're going to have a trillion dollar total addressable market. Well, it's a SPAC world gonna, after all, David. You know. Yeah. Uh, but it, listen, it's, uh, it's a reflection of the times. I mean, this is ExxonMobil we're talking about, right. Jim. ExxonMobil. And you didn't even get to the free money. Michael Storr's getting a bit. That's free money. I mean, did someone no. buy them? No? What are you, a crafts guy, David? I, I, I didn't. You're a crafts guy. I, I got nothing to say. Carl, you I'll, got I'll kids. Go we go to Michael's yeah. when, no. we were, when my kids were younger. Boom. Almost went out of business. Holy yep. cow. Will be acquired by uh, funds managed by Apollo. $22 a share in cash. Uh, had been reported a couple of days ago. I think we're still halted on that, uh, on MIK. We'll take a break here. A lot more Squawk on the Street in a moment. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Take a look at one of the names that has dominated the discussion this week. Rocket companies uh, down 10 plus percent pre-market. Of course, it's doubled over three sessions. And Jim's talked a lot about uh, the business model, uh, the short interest, and of course, the interest in a certain population of traders. Opening bell in about six minutes. Don't go anywhere. All right, let's get into Mad Dash as we count down to an opening bell on what we used to like to call Hump Day. Dollar Tree is the name. Remember those days? Wow. All right, well, Dollar Tree, David, did not deliver. And this is going to be the talk of the town. Why? Because a lot of people felt, you know what, this is a Dollar Tree market in terms of the number of people who are unemployed. Uh, Dollar Tree has a history of, uh, of doing pretty well, but it's, uh, it's been sporadic, a little episodic. Believe it or not, the family dollar did better than the Dollar Tree. So this will be an interesting battleground. We did see Target down badly yesterday. Uh, Dollar Tree is what we call an essential retailer. So year over year, it's just going to get more difficult. So I suspect that the stock may not be the stock to be in when people want Norwegian Cruise Line and Royal Caribbean. And maybe the airlines, too. I mean, I guess I come back to 37 million shares of United Airlines. I, I mean, just, man. Well, Dave, maybe, David, these people who buy these stocks have more capital than we think. Uh, I think there's a lot of belief that 
the people who are behind this buying are little people who don't have enough. Maybe that's just condescending. Maybe there's just lots of real big people and little people that say when these stocks open, when this country opens, United Airlines just took a huge amount of new Boeing planes because United Airlines is trying to take giant market share. And the prices that they're offering to go places, Carl, I am getting looking at deals that I, they're like one third, maybe one quarter of what they were a year and a half ago. People, they want United Airlines yeah, is making I, a major bid here. I, I would definitely uh, book early, Jim. Uh, Goldman did a piece yesterday looking at the degree to which uh, PCE uh, might, prices basically might overshoot. And one of the areas they cited as a risk factor to higher inflation is definitely going to be in, uh, in travel and transportation. Well, that's why I like Airbnb, because I think a lot of people are going to get together and stay in one house because those hotel rates aren't going down. They're going to go up. And a cheaper way to be able to travel is Airbnb. I still like that stock very, very much. Yeah. Yeah. Goldman still sees a core PCE peaking in April at 2.4 and ending the year at uh, 2. So we will see how uh, the summer progresses. Let's get a look at the opening bell here and the CNBC real-time exchange of the big board. It's health insurer Oscar Health celebrating its IPO. We're going to talk to the CEO later this morning on Squawk Alley at the NASDAQ. It is a DHC Acquisition Corp doing the honors. Um, Jim, speaking of reopening, uh, our own parent company, Comcast, has some news this morning uh, on Universal Orlando. They're going to resume uh, work on uh, Epic Universe. Uh, Big Park It's going to hire an additional 14,000 workers. Uh, It's good news for Florida and for the reopening theme in general, along with uh, pretty good numbers on Peacock signups, as Brian Roberts was uh, presenting at Morgan Stanley. Well, I've got to tell you, uh, Florida, which... uh had been actually not that great on some of the numbers that I've seen. There was some weakness in Florida in the last three months in terms of retail, but I think that's going to change. And I think the theme parks are going to lead the charge. This is another example called Book Early. Uh, anyone who's been to, to Universal, it's just a huge amount of fun. But you know, there's some hotels there, and if they fill up, uh, the, you've missed a great opportunity. So I think that it is, Carl, i got to tell you, it's going to be a boom here in this country. And I don't think people are ready for it. When I speak to the pharmaceutical companies, they think it's going to be a boom. Transportation companies think it's going to be a boom. Uh, and I think that this is one of those things where uh, Alex Gorsuch said, who knows what it could be like? I mean, this may be a sky's the limit situation. I, mean, I think that people are going to go everywhere and they're going to go in a different way. Brian Chesky, uh, who's the CEO of Airbnb, was telling me, David, he was saying, you know what? Uh, this is one where they can have a lot of hosts that are ready. And a lot of guests, and it's going to be good match. And have you ever seen the, the leverage in that model, David? It doesn't cost Airbnb to have any more hosts, but they still get the VIG. Yeah. I want to be in that business. Now, you, you pointed that out, I know, a few days ago. And it's, uh, it, it's a very powerful business model. One reason why, of course, the stock has performed so well. By the way, guys on Comcast, of course, our parent company, you know, we forgot there was an activist in there, Tryan. Uh, just wanted to add a little something I picked up in the last, uh, it's been a while, but... Um, um, everybody seems to be on the same page from what I gather. Uh, it's not about breaking the company up. That is, I'm talking again about Comcast. It's more about uh, making sure Peacock has the resources it needs to succeed. Uh, we don't talk about it as much, perhaps, as some of the other direct-to-consumer offerings. Of course, it is ad-supported largely, although we have seen the proliferation of those kind of tiers as well on Discovery uh, and on Paramount+, Plus, which launches tomorrow. Uh, but um, did want to add that on on Tryon. By the way, guys, staying in that area, if I might, you know, Fox shares. I'm sure you saw this yesterday, Jim, up 
10 percent yeah. Fox A. I mean, nowhere near, of course, the move we've seen in Viacom and Discovery that I've talked so often about lately. Um, the reasons seem to be a, an FT piece talking about the possibility even of a, of a go private there. You know, it's something that I'd heard about a month ago, uh, this idea that, well, as Rupert Murdoch, you know, thinks about sort of the next stage, would they ever consider selling the Fox network, not Fox News, the Fox network, and then taking the rest private. But when I checked it out with people who would actually be in a position to know, that's not going anywhere. Uh, I did not hear anything that led me to believe that there was a real story there, which is why I put my pencil down and, 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 and didn't think about it for a while. Uh, concerns about leverage, who you'd actually partner with in terms of on the private equity side. Uh, there is a frustration, perhaps, in terms of the valuation gap between Fox and Discovery and Viacom. Although, again, there, let's not forget you're talking sports and news. That's what Fox really is, uh, as opposed and no direct-to-consumer play, so to speak. Uh, as the others have, and perhaps have captured the imagination of many investors. But there was a, you know, is there a continued frustration and disconnect in valuation? Sure. If that were to continue for a long period of time, will they think about things? There's so much, Jim, that may be coming in media over the next, let's call it, couple of years. Uh, and a lot of questions we have, whether it's with Disney and ESPN, will they always be together? Whether it's Comcast and NBC Universal, will it always be together? Whether it's AT&T and Time Warner, will it always be together? But a lot of that's probably going to be a conversation for another time. Every time I go down those roads, nothing going on. And then, David, they must just feel awful because Roku, for instance, uh, got a, a bit of an upgrade here. I'm going to say bit of because it's key. I like their work. But they're selling $1 billion in stock. Well, so what happens? Well, the stock goes higher. This is, again, yeah. uh, they're talking about, Roku is talking about, look out. The cord cutting continues. Uh, uh, they're talking about platform growth of uh, 50%. And so if you're Roku, the sky's the limit. If you're Fox, I think you kind of say, enough is enough. We got Fox News. It's crushing it. I don't know whether that's, you know, that's the past. It could be the future, too. Uh, but they've got to look at Roku and just say, I've had enough. Uh, I got to make more money. I got to get my stock higher. They look at Discovery. I mean, the Discovery was an amazing story that you talked about. But Roku is the gift that just keeps giving. And that's one that uh, I was surprised that Incredible. they needed the additional money. They needed the money. I know. It, and they did the deal with Nielsen yesterday. $50 billion market value. I know. Jim. I mean, we were talking about this company a couple of years ago, just the amazing creation of value there and proving that business model has been really something. And by the way, when it comes to Fox, it doesn't mean they won't you know, consider acquiring yeah. as well, given all the assets that are out there. Who knows? We'll see. But yeah, you're right. Roku just keeps pushing, man. It just keeps going. That guy, Anthony Wood, he's become a very wealthy man, one would anticipate. Not, and by the way, no Ubers there when you have them on. It's like you try to, hey, no. I try to get him excited about Roku every time he's on. It's like, oh, Roku. It's like American Electric Power, Con Ed, Roku. <laughs> it's tough. He's just not, he plays the game and he works hard, but he's a bit of a Belichick figure. Carl, the guy doesn't like to brag yeah. and he has plenty to brag about. I, I, there's a few of them like that, Jim. Uh, Pinterest, Roku, where they are just not interested in, in hyping uh, the stock, at least. Oh, it's so um, hard with Pinterest. Speaking of, so hard. Mike, yeah, yeah. Ben Jim, Silverman of, uh, doesn't uh, want uh, me to say he's good. <laughs> I don't, don't mention the name of the company, please. Um, there's a lot of uh, news this morning in retail. Um, Ross, Stores, and Urban uh, with uh, some uh, blemishes on the print. And, and, Jim, a larger discussion about some of the 
challenges in transportation in terms of goods, uh, a lot of trouble on, on the Pacific routes, shipping, and the worries that that's going to impact inventory and pricing later in the year. doesn't seem to have happened yet, but it's happening across uh, sectors in terms of what types of retailers we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tax on the consumer. At the same time, we do see uh, some of the uh, inventory numbers a little bit too high. And where's the inventory too high? Well, yeah, Nordstrom. Nordstrom did not have the right assortment. This time it was men's apparel that they didn't have right. And they talk about fashion being difficult. Well, aren't they in the fashion business? Nordstrom has become a, uh, a problem child. And I always mention, David, remember when Nordstrom was thinking about going private? Yes. Yes, I do. That would have been ill-advised. Um, it would have been ill-advised. It would have been ill-advised. And they were not able to actually get get to the financial profile they wanted. Even with the ownership by the family, it was, it was a difficult deal to pull off, and it was hard to find the appropriate financing for it. Uh, you're right. Uh, it would have been ill-advised. Although interesting, isn't it, that we are seeing retailers taken private again? I mean, uh, Carl mentioned the Michaels deal, Apollo, 22 bucks a share. It's about an equity value of $3.3 billion. But, Jim, do you remember where the stock was at the beginning of the pandemic? Uh, it was 2 bucks. Yeah. Two, two, three dollars. Well, Michaels. I mean, there was a lot of talk that it wasn't going to make it. I know I did a piece about how what happens to these retailers if they, people just stop going. But a lot of the retailers, you know, that, that talk about non-essential. Right. I mean, now, remember, GameStop did say it was essential, which I thought was an essential statement by an essential company. Did you know that GameStop was essential? David? I did. I, uh, I guess so. I, I don't know. I didn't really know that. I hadn't been to a GameStop in quite some time. They really? closed the one near me. They closed it. Yeah. Well, David, that's a statement yeah. in itself. But, you know, don't let that mm-hmm. get, you, get, get you down about GameStop because you know that Ryan Cohen's got a plan to digitize. We're just waiting for the plan. And, Carl, when is I see... Any, have we gotten anything, any more than the ice cream cone? Did we get, is the, Carl, has the ice cream cone melted? Has it, do we have another scoop? Uh, are there two frogs? I don't know. What, what's I think, the latest? I think uh, General Counsel's office is working on uh, on the next cone, the next ice cream cone. It oh. has to go through certain protocols yeah. before they can disclose uh, the, the, the cone, the latest well, cone. Anyway. Those guys are obviously just laughing all the way to the bank if they want to go to the bank. But I do think that I wait Ryan Cohen's plan. He is a brilliant guy. I do uh, absolutely love Chewy, but I still like a bit of a plan. And my Bitcoin plan has not been accepted yet. Where you sell the the NVIDIA chips, okay, the new ones that are coming out for Ethereum. And who's laughing? Is David laughing? <laughs> what are you? I'm You're laughing. laughing. Yeah. I, I offer a yeah, plan. I'm laughing. I offer a plan. I got a plan. It's a digital wallet. He goes into his lab. He goes down to his lab in his basement and he comes up with all these plans. I got a plan for you. <laughs> I'm going to Bitcoin. We're going to put it in the chips in the games and we're going to put it in the VCR. Yeah, yes. we're going to put it in the VCR and then... And how about the PCR? Let's throw in the PCR. One-stop shopping. (laughs) How about that, huh? (laughs) But what are we going to do with all those PCR machines, Carl, when we were all vaccinated? Where do we put them? In the closet? (laughs) (laughs) A lot of PCRs. Is it going to be like the VCR? Do you know how to program a PCR? Uh, You know, Jim, it it sort of uh, reminds me of what uh, Diamond said about going back to work and... um, and the need for office space, uh, as uh, Bloomberg this morning reports that J.P. Morgan's trying to sublease 
about 700,000 square feet in the financial district and Hudson Yards. I think Diamond's quote essentially was, look, if you have 100 employees, you're not going to need 100 desks. You're going to need like 60. Yeah, well, this is the problem with the uh, largest tower in San Francisco, uh, Salesforce. Uh, nobody's there other than Mark when he announced the quarter. I mean, there are people, a lot of people don't really want to go back. A lot of people turned out to be, uh, I'd say, uh, inexpensive to keep at home. David, you know, when you keep someone at home, you, don't yeah. even need to, you can close the cafeteria and you can have them have kale nope. soup. <laughs> yep. Chunky. Uh, I think I got a lot of that in the closet here. Um, I have that, too. You're you right. Know, my wife bought all this stuff yeah. that I'm never going. I mean, honestly. I mean, it's I crazy. What yeah, you we 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 did that, guys. You know, just before we quickly move on here on this subject, though, of remote and uh, and flexible working. Uh, um, again, back to the series I've been doing. I spoke yesterday to Mondelez CEO Dirk Vanderput. We'll have that up for people fairly soon. Uh, it's here to stay. Uh, you know, he was talking about the fact that they're just going to have more employees with so-called flexible plans in terms of working from home or working in the office uh, and. It doesn't appear that we're ever going to go back to the levels, at least at this point, based on all the conversations I've had with these CEOs when asking that question that we saw in terms of people in the office in 2019. What that means for commercial real estate, unclear, but one would imagine not particularly good. Um, but that's, Jim, that's just a, a trend that's, that's, that's going to stay. Not that, of course, people are going to go back, but you're not going to, again, 60%. Maybe that's the number. Right. 70, and, 80%. And, you know, he, he's bought this chocolate company, HU, that I like very much. Uh, obviously, he's got the taste cookies. I mean, his lineup of snacks fits right in. Carl Mondelez is a company that is fabulous if we're staying home. Wow, their cookies are good. He's got it. Uh, Dirk, please stop sending us this stuff. You're killing me. I mean, I mean, you're killing me. I'm putting on too much weight. He sends you? He sends you stuff? We send a big I, thing of tapes. I want some Malamars, man. Send me Th- those are Malamars. seasonal. Those send are seasonal. Malamars. Those are seasonal. I don't know. Uh, yeah, if I it's get still cold. Thing. It's still cold. I'm looking at snow. Well, that's because you're not at the office. You don't get that no. if you're not at the office. The cafeteria has to. You have beyond me yeah, there. Jim. Well, uh, I was going to say uh, to the degree that we start going to the office. I don't know if you saw Lyft. Uh, best ride demand for that company since the pandemic began. Shares, I think, are closing in not far from a two-year high, uh, going back to August, I think, of of 19. Um, Gas demand last week, Jim, was the highest uh, since the pandemic began. And then Starbucks uh, yesterday uh, with some announcements about bringing Oatly oat milk uh, nationwide, some new vegan options like an avocado protein box. So menu innovation is going to try to keep up with the the return of demand that you've been talking about. Starbucks stock's been amazing here. Uh, in the last few weeks, it, it, it's become a, a, a play on America opening. Uh, I love Kevin Johnson. I think it's really much more a play on throughput. But you know what? A lot of coffee, a lot of coffee shops went out of business. Of the 150,000 stores went out of business, a lot of them were coffee shops. So Starbucks reigns supreme, Carl. Uh, yeah, we'll maybe talk maybe down the line about um, coffee prices and coffee mm-hmm. roasting prices, Jim, which are on the rise because of transportation costs. It goes back to that. Uh, so we're keeping an eye on um, on stocks and, of course, fixed income and the eco data that remains on the way. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Hey, Rick. Yes, I will go to the charts before the eco data shows up uh, in a few minutes. We'll have market to PMI service and uh, composite. But if you look at a, a week to date of 10s, you can really see what happened here. You know, 145 was sort of a breaker. The minute we popped through it, you could see there was a bit of panic, most likely some uh, 
Traders stuck the wrong way with respect to looking for rates to move a bit lower, and indeed they did move higher. We're now up seven basis points in a 10, hovering right at 145. And if you look at the 24-hour chart of boond yields, you will see that indeed there was some influence in Europe. Many would suggest, as Peter Bookvar wrote, that maybe the Europeans were tantalizing traders to challenge them on higher rates, basically because they were saying over the last several sessions when their rates were higher that it wasn't a big deal. All right, the PMIs are out. Our Fed final on market well, the mid-month read on the headline for services was 58.9. That now changes to 59.8. So a nice jump there. And on the composite side, well, the mid-month reads was 58.8. And similar to the services, the composite jumped to 59.5. These are definitely very solid numbers, and they represent the high watermark post-COVID for this series of data points. Let's get back to the charts. So as you look at that 24-hour chart of boon yields, you can clearly see that it isn't as aggressive as 10s, but we're right back to that minus 30 level. And if you pair the two together, they're now 177 basis points that separate U.S. 10s from European 10s. That's the widest in a year. And very quickly, there's a lot of talk about an arcane measurement called M2. Real quickly, arcane or not, it's going zoom, 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 as you see, all the way up to 19.5 trillion. It's steady eddy until we get to COVID. That is going to definitely help fuel some inflation. Carl Jim David, back to you. All right, Rick. Thank you, uh, Rick Santelli. We'll take a break here. Uh, market behavior at the moment, uh, the top, say, five or ten gainers on the S&P are going to sound awfully familiar. Carnival, Norwegian, American Airlines, Boeing, all in the mix. We're back in a moment. We are awaiting the reopening of uh, Michael's shares, uh, halted. We think we're going to get a, a restart here in a moment. But uh, as we mentioned earlier, Apollo uh, buying the company for $22 a share, Jim. They point out uh, it was a, a premium of 47% before the speculation began a few days ago. But as David alluded to, it was a $1 low on March 18th of last year. Well, it was one of the retailers that people felt couldn't make it. We go back and look at these. I mean, the one that I'm focused on right now is Kohl's. Uh, we know that there's an activist in there. Uh, David, Kohl's did, uh, did better than a lot of other retailers, let's put it that way. So, uh, but that is a company that took down a lot of debt at a very high coupon, uh, cut the dividend. They've instituted some of the dividend. A lot of the retailers are trying to recover. Uh, Michael's, I always felt, was a casualty of uh, just, they, they never really had a great balance sheet, and they never really had a lot of customers. But something says to me that people feel retail got <laughs> too cheap. Look at that stock. That's a rocket. Uh, I, I mean, out. it's... It's yeah, it's incredible uh, at, at 22. There is a go shop here. Unclear whether there's going to be any other interest at that price. Uh, but to the point Carl and I've been making, of course, a year ago, this was a buck. There was a lot of question about its ability to maintain itself as a going entity. Um, by the way, this was already a, a, a company that was private. Remember, taken right. private years ago, I think in 06 or so by Blackstone and Bain. I think Blackstone just finished selling its final shares maybe around $10, which, of course, they were probably very happy about as an exit point. Um, but here we are uh, at, at, at 22. But, you know, it's funny. You go back a year, Jim, and you've, you've made this point unlimited on LB. Remember their deal to sell part of the company to Sycamore fell apart. Right. And you take a look at some of these retailers from the bottom almost exactly a year ago. 
and what ha- what the perception was then and what the reality has been, it, it couldn't be more different. And the retailers that are doing the worst, uh, endlessly, frankly, endlessly, are these essential retailers. Uh, and you see it. I happen to like Costco very much. Costco has been a completely challenged stock, even though, uh, David, the company's doing quite well. Why? Because year over year, people just don't think that Costco can ever measure up, given the fact that it was crushing it during the pandemic. Uh, Michael's not so much. So, you know, people like what's bad and they don't like what's good. That's what's happening. What was me? Uh, we'll watch the action on MIK uh, and on retailers and the market at large as we kick off uh, this Wednesday morning. Don't go away. We're going to need a new name for some of the chart patterns of these uh, very quick lived uh, squeezes. Rockets, an example, down 20% this morning, went from 18 to 43 in about a week, a little more than a week, and settling back now, uh, just around 33. We'll keep our eye on it as Squawk on the Street continues. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. This is a different market. And Dave and I was talking the other day about it. It's people who uh, they don't buy uh, on the rumor and sell on the news. I've been saying over and over again, the Micron's going to be giving a talk today and Micron's going to raise numbers. Well, Micron's giving a talk and it's raising numbers and people are buying it. I mean, <laughs> it, it's rather flabbergasting. I, mean, I told you this is what they're going to do. And they used to sell it on this, Carl. But no, no, they, it's like it's a whole new day. It's a different kind of market. I, I see you tweeting right now about Boeing oh, yeah. and how they could uh, they could issue some and probably wouldn't get dinged. Yeah, I mean, they have said already that they don't need to issue. But in this market, people love issuance uh, and they just love the opportunity. Uh, I don't think Boeing's going to take advantage of it. Greg, Greg Smith, the CFO, was fabulous and said you don't have to. But this market loves supply. Supply begets demand. I've not seen that since the beginning of 87, which, of course, was a year that didn't end as well as people liked that's yeah, when you did it. It'll be an interesting event. tell, Jim. Yep. Yeah, it'll be an interesting tell when that window appears to be closing, which we're going to keep our eye on. Yes. How about tonight? Okay, so we have Wendy's. People felt it was disappointing. I like the company very much, but let's find out what the heck went on. American Electric Power, I do love to have these utilities on because they talk about the, what's happening, frankly, in uh, alternative energy. AP's been a leader. And then Emergent Bio is one of the companies that is furiously making vaccines for J&J. After uh, Gorski last night, Jim, uh, it's a good week so far Thank on you. the 6. Thank we'll you We'll see you tonight. Uh, of course, Mad Money with Jim Cramer, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.